Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 331. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Today's episode is sponsored by Trauma Therapist Network. Trauma Therapist Network is a platform for finding a trauma therapist, learning about trauma, and understanding about how trauma shows up in our lives and what the healing process can look like. Go to www.traumatherapistnetwork.com to learn more. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there... Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. Today, we are continuing the conversation about equine-assisted psychotherapy. So if you heard episode 329, I interviewed Mary Sue McCarthy, LCPC, and she talked about trauma-focused equine-assisted psychotherapy, which is a mouthful. <laughs> Words I use all the time, but stumble over them when I'm putting them all together. 
Mary Sue explained how equine-assisted psychotherapy helps us engage the attachment system and how we do equine work because it's an opportunity to activate our attachment relating. So the way we relate to other beings opens up in connection with a horse or doesn't open up. Neither way, it's information. So if you listen to episode 329, you know what I'm talking about. Mary Sue explained it very well. And she also wrote a guest post on Trauma Therapist Network's blog about this subject where she goes into it in a little bit more detail, explaining how it relates to polyvagal theory. But it's all in a very down-to-earth style of explanation. So it's not super heady. Anyway, hopefully you heard episode 329. Last week, we heard that interview with Mary Sue McCarthy. And this week, you're going to hear me speaking with Julia Alexander, who is now a licensed clinical social worker practicing in Austin, Texas. But at the time, she was a new grad. And she talked about finding her way in clinical work as an equine psychotherapist with her natural lifemanship training. So this is a really interesting conversation to listen to, especially as we're in graduation season and there's many new MSW grads coming out of school now, eager to get out there and help. And there's so much need right now, as always. It's harder and harder to find a therapist these days because so many of us are exhausted and worn out from practicing during the pandemic, walking alongside our clients, dealing with the same struggles and pain and fear that we have been dealing with, which is very challenging. And as the pandemic is shifting to some kind of a strange new normal with plenty of ups and downs, still many of us are wondering how we're going to keep going. It's a really hard time to be a therapist, but connection and community and being with others who get where you've been and know that it can get better is really powerful. It's been deeply meaningful to me connecting with fellow trauma therapists in the Trauma Therapist Network community during our weekly calls. There's so much, so much resonance in all of our experiences, and there's so much hope and compassion and kindness and warmth and encouragement and support and practical tips. I'm really grateful for the community and I'm grateful for all of you new social workers and other mental health professionals and counselors who will be out there graduating this summer. And so my advice to all the new grads is practice self-compassion. You have the heart to help others you're a caring person and you're a resourceful and intelligent person. And you can learn all the ways to help others. One of the things that they don't teach you in school, at least they didn't before, and I hope it's getting better, is how to take care of yourself. So as you go out there and do good work, remember to go inward and check in with your own needs. Hopefully these conversations on Therapy Chat can remind you to come back home to yourself. I think making your own self-tending a regular practice and a priority is the only way to keep going in this field. And 
don't try to go it alone. You're not alone. You're part of a community of people and we can do more together. So congratulations to all the new grads. And I hope this conversation will be inspiring, thought provoking and love to have you as part of the Trauma Therapist Network. If you have experience in trauma and training and passion for working with trauma survivors, you are needed. Registration will be opening up this summer. So if you are a therapist and you're interested in that, be sure to get on the waiting list. There's a link in the show notes. Let's dive right in to my conversation with Julia Alexander, who will be returning sometime in the near future for an updated conversation to hear about what she's doing now. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you soon. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today's episode is going to be, I think, fascinating. Of course, I always say that, so you can decide for yourself, but I think you're going to enjoy my interview with Julia Alexander. Julia, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat. Thank you, Laura. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're here too. And I'd like to start off with just you letting the audience know a little bit about you, who you are and and your work. Sure. Okay. So I recently graduated with my uh, MSW from Smith College. I now work out at Spirit Reigns in Liberty Hill, Texas, and I do um, trauma-focused equine-assisted psychotherapy. And I got involved in that work. (laughs) It was a long time coming. But when I was at Smith, I I went through my first semester of classes. And yeah, it was a lot of focus on talk therapy. And uh, I wanted to understand trauma better. And I found a mentor who worked with horses. um, And I grew up working with horses. And I think I think everyone that has had childhood experiences with horses they know that there's something really healing and powerful about that connection that is sometimes hard to put into words, but it's a felt sense. And I thought if I could figure out how to do that, I would be really happy in the work that I was doing. And it would help me understand my own experiences better as well. So anyways, long story short, my mentor um, sent me training for natural lifemanship. And I felt like I learned more in three days about the brain and about trauma and about myself and about connection than I had learned about any of those things within my schooling. (laughs) So that's what led me to the path that I'm on now. Awesome. Yeah. So I know that a lot of people who work with horses know that they feel something. And like you said, it's a felt sense. But I think from my experience, a lot of people who work with horses don't know what they're feeling with it and why. So they can't explain it. You know, they don't have like the the teaching about, you know, self-regulation and trauma that comes with natural lifemanship. So it's like sort of a missing piece in that. I think in that experience for many people who do work with horses, they're like, I just know that I have to do this or people will say it's my therapy. But, you know, without like the frame of reference to say what it's doing for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. People who ride, people who work with horses directly as like, you know, trainers and stable working in stables and owning stables and things like that. So it's like you can take that knowledge from your own experience of what it felt like. And then when you learn um, what's really happening in your brain when you're working with horses, it's like, oh, (laughs) yes, that's exactly what it's like. I mean, 
I think when, I mean, there's two pieces, I feel like, to some of this trauma-informed equine-assisted psychotherapy that were really big paradigm shifts for me. Um, And the first is exactly what you're saying, is that, yes, you know, there's this felt sense of being near horses, being around them, building relationships with them, and then being on them. And and all of those things, once we start to understand trauma and how it impacts the brain and how regulation happens and, you know, what we need to support our own regulation, our client's regulation, it's like, wow, this really just makes sense. Um, and then if we move to have clients on the horse, you know, I think it's very hard to like repeat that or um, copy that uh, natural movement of the horse. And so you have these things happening that, yeah, as a horse person, you go and you're just like, wow, this is what, this is exactly what I've been feeling. But there's another piece to that, um, that that's, a, that's a big paradigm shift, I think, which is, I think that we're taught, many of us who've had horse experience, we're taught that we are in control of the horse and that, you know, we, we can't show our fear. And there's all these stories I think that at least I was told growing up I've um, heard those things yeah you know you have to act confident you have to make mm-hmm. the horse think you're not afraid yes. and um, yes the horse needs you to be in control yes exactly and what I love about natural lifemanship is that um, it really flips that that mentality on its on its head and you know it it, it talks about um, you know as a principle-based model that we we're not going to engage with horses in a way that we wouldn't want to engage with clients. So it's not about control. It's not about dominance. Um, it's about connection and it's about building a relationship where both parties can think and act for themselves, where both parties keep themselves safe and, you know, make requests that don't damage relationships. And as we know with trauma, right, that, you know, when we're dysregulated or when we're triggered, you know, we, we can, we can make decisions or I guess it's not even decisions. We can react in ways that damage relationships. And so I think the healing, you know, that comes in is rewiring the brain to develop different relationship patterns and the horse, the horse, they're just so incredible at at, at helping us do that. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of really amazing um, connections made once we understand the brain and once we look at horses as as partners in this process and not as tools. Beautiful. Yeah. I want to ask you about one thing you said, but first I want to comment that what strikes me as being really different in natural lifemanship from what, you know, I am not an experienced horsewoman and people who listen to this podcast know that I've had more exposure to being around and working with horses and riding over the past couple of years. And I hadn't had before since I was, uh, you know, kind of an adolescent, but I think what I have learned in my more recent time around horses, there have been a lot of messages about the horse wants you to be the leader and, you know, you have to show the horse, you know, kind of like that you're in charge and everything. And that's what makes the horse feel safe. And, I've seen some things from natural lifemanship that say it's not about making the horse do what you want to do. It's about making a connection with the horse so that the horse wants to do what Mm -hmm. you're asking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's a really powerful, it's a powerful message to have in relationships. I mean, I think people that have experienced trauma, um, you know, a, a lot of us have experiences where 
relationships are based on, um, you know, dominance or control or mm-hmm. fear or intimidation, powerlessness. Yeah. Powerlessness. Exactly. You know, not feeling like you have a voice and, and those feelings are, our our body, body feeling, our body feels that and stores that. And I think that with natural lifemanship, we open up, we open up our, our minds to the possibility of experiencing a different type of relationship that, that doesn't, where the foundation is not those things. Um, and that can feel really scary, I think, especially when you work with such a big animal, um, mm-hmm. you know, and extremely vulnerable. Yeah, it's very vulnerable. But that's kind of where that's where the work is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you you put yourself in this in this position to to not dominate, right? And to to build enough trust where you you do make a request out of a relationship and the other party, whether it's a horse or a person, says absolutely. I want, you know, I want what's best for this relationship. I want to connect with you. And if connection means that, you know, you, you, you need me to follow you, then I'm happy to do that because it doesn't, it doesn't hurt our relationship. It, it strengthens it. And obviously I don't think the horse is having that exact conversation in its head, but that's the foundation. of. Well, the horse is kind of having that conversation in its body, just like a lot of what's going on yes. for us. We think yes. it's our thoughts that are you know, running it, but it's really more responses to what we feel that are happening in our body that make us do what we do, even if we then analyze it with our smart thinking brains, you know, and And, think that that's the explanation. And a lot of this work, you know, as we've talked about before, is it's 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 body based, it's felt sense. I mean, and and some clients, you know, are not in a position to be able to be really insight oriented. They just need support feeling. And that's and that's it. And learning what feels safe and what doesn't feel safe and creating boundaries and all of those things that healthy relationships need. Yeah. And when you're talking about body oriented work, the sense of feeling safe or unsafe is more in one's body than it is in our conscious, you know, cognitive awareness. And so when sometimes you might ask ask someone or you might ask yourself, am I safe? Yeah, of Mm -hmm. course I'm safe. I'm here. I'm in my house. Nobody's here. The door's locked. But that doesn't mean you actually feel safe. So it's like your thinking can fool you into thinking, oh yeah, I'm safe. But your body's saying, not safe. Mm -hmm. I need to run. I need to hide. Mm -hmm. You know? And so it's like, what is your body telling you and what's happening for you that that's what you're feeling, even though you think it doesn't match what you should be feeling? Yeah. And I love that you said that because I think I think that's part of where the power of working with horses, at least for me, seeing it daily so profound, because we, I think, have taught ourselves in a variety of ways to override what we what our body is telling us. Right. Like we use the neocortex and the cognitive thinking parts of our brain to say, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Or, you know, we we put on a brave face or we we tell people we're okay when we're not and push through. Yeah. We push through and we, we try to survive. And, and when you're, when you're in the pasture with the horse or when you're in a round pen with the horse, the horse, the horse doesn't understand non-congruency. I mean, they don't, they don't get that. They don't, they don't live in that world. They live in the present. And so they, they will, they will react to non-congruency in a way that doesn't necessarily build healthy relationships. And so it is very powerful, I think, for people who engage with horses who are used to being able to, to say, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, or to, you know, to say, 
I'm not scared, but you know, you can see it in their body. Everything is tense or their shoulders are tense or their jaws are clenched. And, you know, the horse will in a variety of different ways, you know, they'll let them know right within the context of the relationship that they're trying to build. And that, that is so powerful. And I think that that is, you know, some of the work that's being done with um, somatic experiencing and sensory motor psychotherapy, you know, really helping clients key in, right, to like, what is happening in your body right now? Um, Mm -hmm. Because a horse helps you stay in your felt sense, which can be really uncomfortable, too, right? Right. Because for many people, being in their bodies hasn't been safe, whether because of overwhelming anxiety that they feel because of a trauma history, or even Mm -hmm. if their bodies were, you know, abused when they were children, Mm -hmm. Then feeling what your body sensations are, which is that your body's reliving that trauma often, it doesn't feel safe to be in the here and now. It feels safer to be disconnected, but it's really an illusion that it's safer because, you know, you then you're really unable to protect yourself because you, you really don't actually know what you're feeling or what's happening around you. Your felt sense that's there to give you information is like inaccessible to you. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, the horse, the horse and the therapist at the same time are so important with that because, you know, the horse is going to ask you to be present and it's a therapist's responsibility, I think, to be able to track where clients are in their bodies and, and, and when it's too much, right. We obviously don't want to re-traumatize anyone or, or cause them to go over a threshold. Um, and that's where we really like, I think with natural lifemanship, um, use a lot of bottom up regulation techniques and being able to help clients in the way that they, any way that they can kind of stay grounded, um, and to know when they're not grounded. And, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll put, we'll put clients on horses to help them regulate, you know, but there are so many nuances and, you know, just, it's, it's very intricate and, um, it takes, it takes a lot of knowledge and that's something I'm still learning. So, um, we say something, we say something that I think is, is really important that we don't, we don't want the horse to just become a, a very expensive rocking chair, you know, to help clients regulate. It really comes back to the connection and to the relationship. But, um, yeah, understanding when clients are over threshold is important with, with this work because it is so embodied. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience, and one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. Yeah, and with any any trauma work, of course. And, you know, and that's what I think you said, the therapist has a responsibility to be tracking how mm-hmm. clients doing. And, and I'll add in all trauma work, 
the therapist has a responsibility to be tracking how they're doing too. Yes. You know, that's a a part of the the process and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, how regulated you are is mirrored with your client and how regulated they are is mirrored with you and how regulated the horse is. It's all these mirror neurons, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought that up. I feel like that is so important. And I I was sharing this with you before, but you know, when I first started this work with the horses, I was, I felt so exposed and, Mm -hmm. and vulnerable and, and just very raw because the work does require you to be, be embodied and be embodied, you know, all the time. Right. And I think that's, you know, and it's a gift, it's a gift to be able to be that in, in tune. I mean, the horses really ask that of you, you know, and we work in teams, which I think is really beneficial because if there are days when, you know, somebody is more dysregulated, you know, a therapist is more dysregulated or, you know, feeling something, you know, we can, we can communicate with each other. And, you know, that's, that's part of the process. Um, And it's, it's very real. (laughs) I mean, it's very, very real. I think that there's a, there's a felt sense of being present in your body, in my body in ways that I had not experienced working in an office um, with kids or adults. It's just, it feels very different. Yeah. I don't, work, you know, in my practice, I don't work with horses, you know, mm-hmm. as not as often as I want to, and I'm not doing EAP yet, but so I am in an office, but you know, for all of us who are doing trauma therapy, it's important to be embodied and yes. present in your body. Mm-hmm. But no matter what your setting is, and I think being outside, you have a lot of opportunities for grounding and yes. Um, but I really like what you said about how the working in a team means that when you're dysregulated, someone else is there to help you mm-hmm. and you're there to help them. And I mean, that too seems to parallel what you're doing with the horses yeah. and with clients. But I yeah. think that's, that's so trauma informed. It, it is. I, I agree with you. I think that it is very trauma informed. And I think, you know, we have a lot of conversations regularly about, you know, how is this work impacting us and how are we doing our own work? How are we connecting with the horses when we're, when we have free time, you know, um, it is, I think there are so many parallel processes that play out and being aware of them is, you know, is really important, like with all trauma work. But yes, the team, the teamwork is, um, it was a first, it's the first time that I've done therapy and um, in a team setting and there's a lot to learn, but it's, it, it feels incredibly supportive. So, and there's always one person who, um, you know, is, has horse experience and knows the horses. And there's one person that is designated as a lead, a lead clinician. And it feels, uh, yeah, it feels, it feels necessary for this, this work because there's so many moving parts. Yeah. And it means if you need to take care of yourself, there's space for that, which, you know, I mean, that's not necessarily the typical mental health practice paradigm. Right. Right. I mean, and I have to tell you, I mean, and I, (laughs) I tell everybody this, but I am so passionate about this work and this model, I think that, you know, when I go into work and I have the space to be able to sit with a herd of 30 horses for even just 15 minutes, right? I mean, it it really does turn, I think, um, kind of mental health practice and agency practice on its head a little bit because we're asked to take care of ourselves. 
And it's pretty profound. Yeah. And because in general, you know, in our educational training programs for social work counseling, psychology, um, marriage and family therapy, uh, I don't think it's really, there may be an emphasis on self-care, but I often feel like it can almost be shaming. It's like, you should be doing self-care. And it's like, when would I be doing that? Because, you know, in my agency, I have to see 12 clients in a day and the sessions are like five minutes apart. So I do have a chance to go to the bathroom occasionally. Mm -hmm. In my, in my, in my last field placement, I was working with kids and my, my experience was, you know, back to back sessions. And I, if I wanted to use the bathroom, then I could, but I would be late to sessions. And I loved my work there and I learned so much but I wanted to envision something different for my life um, and my work to sustain me. And I think that I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine doing this work without the, without the, without the horses for me personally, um, just where I am in my own career development and my own, um, you know, my own trauma processing like this, this felt right. And I was motivated to make it that happen, (laughs) which is an understatement. (laughs) Yeah. So awesome. So I do want to ask two more things. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I guess one is kind of more of a, not a question, but you and I met at a retreat held by the wonderful Rebecca Wong in New York. And um, it was an equine retreat. And I really hadn't been around horses much at all. And you were much more experienced with horses. But something you said really struck me when you mentioned that how important consent is, you know, which it is consent is like everything in any relationship. And when you said something about, you know, I'm just not clear about consent, you know, with this horse, like, you were kind of trying to ask within the framework of what we were doing, like, how do we make sure that the horse is consenting to us touching them? And, you know, that resonated so much for me because I work with survivors of sexual violence. I've done that work for now almost 16 years. And it's, I felt the same way in the group. I had that same question. What is, where's the consent with this? How does that work in this, this environment and this type of interaction with this horse? And it was something that I really, I guess, again, what really made me understand how natural lifemanship is really special. So I just wanted to see if you could say a little more about consent and the interaction with the horses and, you know, why that's so important. I mean, I can, it's like, almost like we know it's why it's important, but still. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm happy you brought that up. Um, I think that this is a, this is a conversation that is constantly in, in process. And yes, I think that, um, you know, I don't have training in the other forms of um, equine assisted therapy or, or learning. So I can't comment on um, those particular practices, but I think that natural lifemanship does a really good job at bringing bringing up this idea of consent and control into the conversation. I think that you know when we when we ask for connection or for uh, to be in relationship with anyone, um, you know, then there obviously needs to be consent. And when we use horses. I think that we have to acknowledge that we do have power, right? When we take a horse from the field and put them into a round pen, I mean, there's, there is power there. And, and just like when we talk about being uh, a clinician and, and the power that we have in um, a 
a therapeutic um, relationship with clients, it's in the room, right? And we bring our identities into the room. We bring that into the space. So I think that I think that we try really hard to be mindful of what that looks like. And sometimes we do work with horses that are, you know, in the field. But, you know, where's the choice, right? And I think that natural lifemanship does a beautiful job at, at, at making aware kind of relationship patterns where um, choice hasn't been an option and, and definitely brings that into the forefront. And I think that we, in my work, are continuing that conversation of how can we get even better at looking at kind of some of the ethical ethical nature of, of involving horses in relationships where you know, who knows, maybe some horses don't want to have relationships with certain clients. Um, maybe it's not a good fit. Um, you know, maybe, maybe some horses are tired on a certain day and don't want to be in the round pen. So I don't have, I don't have a good concrete answer except for that. It's a conversation that needs to continue to happen. I think with anyone that uses horses in therapy settings, what I will say is that when the work, I think when the work is done really responsibly, you see, horses really willing and eager to develop deep relationships with clients. And you don't see it being something that sours them or makes them feel really, really drained at the end of the day. I think when the work is done responsibly, it's it's really beautiful to see. But yeah, that conversation of consent is one that I think we, we will keep having. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that was a beautiful answer. And you know, there's no simple answer there. It's, you know, it's an animal that, you know, I mean, if they really had their own choice, they wouldn't be living in barns and, you know, they wouldn't be on farms and stuff. They would be in the wild, but, um, so there's a limitation on how much consent they can have in our current culture. But, um, but the, the ethical aspect just because it's complicated doesn't mean you don't consider it, you know? Right, exactly. Just like any power uh, dynamic in relationships, if we if we ignore it, then then the power goes unchecked. And I think that's where things start to get, they, they can start to get dangerous, right? Absolutely. So think, yeah. So that was the other part I wanted to ask you about is um, when you say that natural lifemanship is principle-based, can you explain what you mean by that? Sure. Um so natural lifemanship talks a lot about applying principles um, that are are universal. So they use they use horse psychology and anything that they apply to the horse, they would like it to also be able to equally apply to clients. So the nice thing about that is that you can I've found personally in my own experience, I can bring in other forms of other forms of training that I have into this work. So um, I can use the horse psychology. Um, I can use that relational piece, the piece about connection. And then I can also use the trainings that I've done. And I think that the model fits so well with so many of the other, you know, brain based, bottom up, you know, trauma informed regulation pieces that it just clicks. It clicks well. And I like that because a lot of a lot of coursework, as I said before, I think tends to veer towards the side of of dominance and control, even when we don't even when we, we don't want to really acknowledge that um, I think the horse world. Um, which I've been in my whole life. Yeah, it can, it can have that feel to it. So I think people just think that's how it is and that's what you do. And they, they just don't sure. have the real thought of the horse as a true sentient being. 
And, you know, they right. just Is don't, it, yeah. it's not that like, it's just not the mindset because it's not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. Um, it's not intended to do harm. It's just thought that that's how things are. Right. And I think we, we, we need to challenge that um, when we say, you know, horses aren't capable of, you know, being able to control themselves and. I think what natural lifemanship says is, would you, would you ever say that about a client or would there be the expectation that eventually we're going to support this client and being able to self-regulate? Um, and I think, um, this model believes that with, with time and with experience, and we talk a lot about re repetitive, um, patterned experiences and, um, we can think for ourselves. We can um, act in the best interest of our relationships. So that's that's principle based. Um, and then, like I said before, bringing being able to bring in all of the pieces of I think who I am as a person and as a clinician, and all my all my previous training um, fits really um, really well with with this model. That's awesome. I I thank you so much, Julia, for being on Therapy Chat today. I think that people who are listening to this are going to really resonate what, with what you talked about and how, you know, what it's like to be a new clinician, you know, doing this really beautiful, powerful work. And, you know, just I think people will be able to see themselves in either as a potential client or as a therapist, you know, who may want to go in that direction that you just explained so in such a clear way how this is for you. And I'm really grateful. Well, I'm very grateful to be able to share. I love this work so much. So yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank <laughs> you.